In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The most amazing thing in the history of the earth. The Son of God became man, was born as a baby, grew up in Palestine, wandered about Palestine preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, was crucified on the cross, died, was buried for our sins, was resurrected, returned to heaven. Second most amazing thing in the history of the world. The Holy Spirit of God was given to each of us and dwells within us. God himself dwells within us to lead us into all truth. But there's a problem. Our culture does not teach us or help us to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, or for that matter, to anything spiritual. It's difficult for most of us living today, even with the Holy Spirit in our hearts, to hear him, to hear his voice, to know that it's him speaking. It's hard. Um, Most so-called primitive cultures, this is a normal part of how they raise their kids. When we were with the Slavey up in uh, northern Canada, this was just normal. They were aware of spiritual forces acting. They were uh, aware of both, Christians were well aware of the Holy Spirit, sensitive to him. They were also aware of other spirits. They, uh, when things happened, good or bad, they saw spiritual causes and reasons for them. Somebody had a flat driving under the reserve. Huh, why do you have a flat? Oh, he picked up a nail. Well, yeah, I know that, but why him? Why today? How many times has he driven that road and never had a flat? Why today? What's going on? Um, <laughs> the slavey Christians were very aware that, uh, you know, us molas, us white people, even though we were Christians, we weren't real good at that kind of thing. Um, we hadn't been there more than a week or two. We were sitting there talking with some believers and one of them said something about, I, f I forget what it was, but it was uh, he did something because he had a dream and so he did this thing. And uh, I'm almost sure it was a setup. Because Betsy and I both kind of went, and they looked at us and said, what's the matter? Don't you know that God, God talks to people through dreams? Haven't you read the Bible? It's all the way through the Bible. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. Huh. Okay. 
Um, I mean, you know, basically, as good Americans, we just ignored those passages. I mean, it happened back then. Bless them. Doesn't have anything to, to do with us. <clears throat> so what I'd like to talk about today is how to be more aware of the Holy Spirit and his interaction with you. Um, how to be more sensitive to his voice. And maybe a few things that might cause you to uh, falter. Um, and I should also admit that I do not consider myself a master of this. I am still very much learning. But before we get to that, a few linguistic notes. You knew they had to come, okay, but a few linguistic notes. When we read in the New Testament the adjective spiritual, when applied to uh, a person or their way of living, we shouldn't think of it as spiritual. We should think of it as spirit with a capital S. Spiritual. Okay, it's about the Holy Spirit living in us and working through us. It's not what our culture today calls spiritual. Okay. <clears throat> uh, there are many spirits out there. There is one Holy Spirit. Being spiritual, small s, is not being led by the Spirit. Being spiritual, capital S, being led by the Holy Spirit, that's what we're really after. Secondly, when you read or think about spiritual gifts, which is the way uh, charismata is normally translated in English Bibles, that's not a great translation. Charis means grace. Most of you know that, I'm sure. So what they actually are is gifts of grace, God's gifts of grace, or gracious gifts. And we should think of them as that, God's gracious gifts to us. Are they spiritual? Well, they're from the Holy Spirit, so in that sense, yes. Uh, sometimes they're really pretty plain and ordinary and not what we might think of as spiritual. Um, but they are gifts of grace, and that's the focus we need to, to consider. Third, uh, when you read the list of gifts in the New Testament, they are not identical. Okay? And uh, I think it's probably better to consider the lists as descriptions of the way, some of the ways the Holy Spirit was working in the apostolic age. Okay? And not think of them as a defined list of God's gracious gifts. Okay? But how he was working through people at that time. Um, some of the, generally speaking, God's grace gifts uh, 
are the kinds of things that bring witness to his power, to his love, um, and move us and other people towards him. Some of them just don't fit in any of the lists. John Wesley was traveling to a meeting one time and his horse went lame. Dang, not gonna make the meeting. So, he prayed that God would heal his horse. Well, I don't think horse healing is anywhere in the New Testament. <laughs> but God healed his horse and he made the meeting. When we were up with the slavey up north in this little tiny town that with our uh, Dotson King Cab and no Dotson dealers within uh, several hundred miles, um, started having a problem with the truck. Wouldn't go, wouldn't work. And I remember John Wesley. And I said, well, Lord, if you could heal a horse, you can heal a Dotson pickup. So I went out, laid my hand on the car and said, God, please heal my truck. <laughs> and apparently he did, because it worked. <laughs> Continued working for a number of months until we got down to uh, southern Canada, found a Datsun dealer, and he fixed it. <laughs> Healing pickups is not in any of the New Testament lists of the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, so, um, as you think of them, if you think of them as God's gracious gifts, God's gifts of grace, you find that he can work in a number of ways that aren't in the tightly defined list. So, um, how do you... How do you hear God's voice? How do you hear the Holy Spirit? For me, and in my opinion, best practice is to uh, set some time aside where you won't be disturbed and begin with prayer. Generally, I think it's best to uh, Begin with, with praise, with worship of God, expressing your thanks to him for all that he's done for you. Then confess any known sin and uh, maybe even ask him, Lord, if, if there's anything else I need to confess, please show it to me and wait for a few moments to see if he brings anything up. When he does, repent. <laughs> Just, yeah, good idea. Okay, then uh, invite the Holy Spirit to attend, to, uh, to be present to you, and hold yourself open to him as you pray regarding whatever your situation is. Then wait. In silence? How long? I don't know. A while, a bit, 
If you've got to be in the office in 15 minutes, probably not very long. Um, if you have a day off and you can, can relax in the spirit, great, do that. Take your time. What does the spirit's voice sound like? Um, the best answer I've come across really is uh, 1 Kings 19.12. Elijah, after um, the slaughter of the prophets of Baal, has run off into the desert, convinced that he's about to be killed by the king or his wife. Um, he's up on the mountain of the Lord. There's uh, an earthquake, then a fire, then a strong wind, tornado. And God isn't in any of those. And then the scripture says, in King James, it says, uh, a still small voice. ESV says, a low whisper. That's generally what he sounds like. I don't think I've ever heard him yell or scream. It's a quiet voice. So quiet that it's it's easy to miss or not pay attention to. Can also be easy to, to uh, dismiss his voice as just being your own thought. Can he speak in a dream or a vision, a waking vision? Absolutely. Uh, Slaves were very big on, on dreams. Um, they were meaningful. They expected them to be meaningful. When our kids have uh, a dream that disturbs them, we tend to say, oh, honey, it's okay. Don't worry. It's just a dream. It's not real. When slavey kids have a dream that disturbs them, the mom or dad says, well, tell me, what was it? Oh, Okay. Well, here's what that means, and here's what this part of it means, and here's what this part of it means. Um, often, dreams or visions may contain uh, symbolic things. The uh, Valley of Dry Bones, I don't believe that God actually took... Um, took the prophet to an actual valley that was full of bones and then physically put flesh and skin and breath into those bones. It even says at the end of the vision, when God tells Ezekiel what the vision is about, he says, these bones are the people of Israel. Okay, so symbols are very common in visions and dreams. Um, When God called me to offer myself as a, uh, as a priest, I was reading um, the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples say to Jesus, uh, these people need to be fed. Jesus says, well, what do you have? And they said, uh, five loaves and a few fish. And then he says, bring them to me. And I was doing a uh, Lectio Divina silently 
to see if I could do that is that does it work if you do it silently? <laughs> and as I read the words, bring them to me, um, it was kind of like suddenly they went and flashed in gold light or something. And uh, I realized that this Holy Spirit was telling me, you should bring, just like the loaves and the fishes were very inadequate to feed those 5,000 men plus women and children. I want you to bring your inadequate self and offer it to me as a priest. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a symbol. Dried, symbol for me is dried fish and a couple of <laughs> loaves of bread. Okay, uh, is, the, um, is it always a, a, a wonderful, happy, glorious thing when the Holy Spirit speaks to you? If you've read the Old Testament prophets, you know that it's not. <laughs> um, if you go over to Trader Joe's and some other uh, food stores, you will find um, Jeremiah bread, which is apparently regarded as this special cool bread from the Bible because it's made from all these different grains. Actually, being made from all those different grains meant in the, in the Israeli Old Testament culture that it was horrible bread. It was impure, unclean, nasty. Um, I mean, originally, he was supposed to, uh, to bake it over dried human dung, but he said, oh, God, no, not, no, please not that. And God said, well, okay, you can use dried cow dung. <sighs> I never buy it because it's like, I'm not going to buy that. <laughs> that's, that's bad bread. <laughs> uh, then if you read... You know, you go to Hebrews 11, the, the great chapter of the heroes of the faith, and here's all these people conquering and overcoming and all this kind of stuff. Gets past all them, and then here's these heroes of the faith who were sawn in half and killed and all these things. Okay, well, they were real genuine, honest-to-goodness prophets who heard the voice of the Lord and did what he said. Um... My most embarrassing time hearing the Lord's voice, we were up north and uh, there was just a lot of spiritual warfare and all kinds of bizarre things going on up there. Um, and our good Baptist pastor had connected us with Vineyard because, um, Vineyard, and they'd been very helpful to us. So uh, at one point when we were coming down to our home church in Oregon, we had made connection with a vineyard church in Seattle, and uh, they actually got a home for us and everything. So we pull into this place, and the, uh, the assistant pastor says, okay, we're praying for a couple tonight, so Steve, I want you to come along, and you can just see how we do it, because 
That's what I wanted. I wanted, how, how do you do this, hearing God's voice? So I went with him, and there was a prayer team of about six people plus me. And there was this couple. And they talked for about, about their troubles, and they had all kinds of troubles, um, particularly apparently centering on the wife's mother, who they both described as a witch. And uh, after about 20, 30 minutes, the pastor said, well, okay, I, I think I know where we're going now. So we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and uh, see what he wants to do. And so he did one of those famous vineyard prayers of come Holy Spirit. And as he did that, in my head, I heard in a still, small voice, the man is impotent. And I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, I, I can't say this. God, if this, if this was you, Lord, because I'm just learning this, right? I'm just trying to learn this. If, if this was you, have, have one of these regular people say it so I'll know that that was your voice and then I'll recognize it next time. <laughs> that prayer had maybe gotten as far as the ceiling when the pastor turns around and says to me, well, Steve, what did the Holy Spirit tell you? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, well, sir, <coughs> is it uh, possible that <coughs> you might be impotent? <laughs> and he burst out crying. Yes. <laughs> then the pastor says to me, well, Steve, why don't you just break that curse? <laughs> and so I said, ah, uh, Lord, Bless our brother here with strength and <laughs> uprightness. <laughs> so, no, it's not always a, uh, a happy, wonderful, oh, Jesus is so good. I'm, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the fellow walked away from that prayer time <laughs> feeling good. But man, it was not what I was expecting. <laughs> okay. Um, how do we know that the Holy Spirit has truly spoken to us? Well, in one sense, well, you may go, please God, no, you may have to go through something like what I did with that poor fellow. Um, but uh, most of the time, you just know that you know that you know. It's just, it strikes your own spirit and you know it. Um, but, and here's, here's a couple of uh, cautions. If the message that you get from the Holy Spirit uh, contrasts or changes some very central, sturdy doctrine from the Bible, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Uh, some years back, the uh, presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church proclaimed that uh, Buddha was just as good a way to get to God as Jesus. Okay, well, basically, that's what we call heresy. That was not the Holy Spirit speaking through her. 
Um, secondly, uh, as in Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 22, if the spirit, quote unquote, prophesies something and it does not come to pass, it wasn't the Lord. It was not a true message or prophecy. Okay, so this has been just a very, very brief intro to hearing the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a lot of other aspects to the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, he leads, we would not come to know God, we would not come to salvation without him drawing us to God. Uh, he leads us into maturity in Christ. He convicts us and the world of sin. Uh, he empowers us for ministry. He leads us into the truth. He strengthens us to live holy lives, which we really can't live without him, and so on. So there's, this is just one small side of interacting, living with the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of books and different approaches to prayer and learning to become more intimate with the Holy Spirit, uh, both ancient and modern. On the ancient side, you have things beginning with uh, Brother Lawrence and uh, living, practicing the presence of God. There is the various Ignatian uh, retreats and processes. Um, more recently, you have, goodness, a bunch of things. Um, Dallas Willard comes most strongly to mind, his books. Uh, and if you really want to study this, of course, Biola has, a, has several different graduate degrees at the Institute for Spiritual Formation where uh, you will get to uh, learn all kinds of things like this. One of the most fascinating to me is uh, in one class, Betsy has her students do a project to, uh, to train them in discernment, learning to recognize the Holy Spirit's voice, where each student is paired up with another student that they do not know. And for the course of the semester, every week, they meet for 20 minutes. They do not talk to each other. They simply sit down at a table. Each has a notebook. And they write down what they are led to pray for the other person and what they themselves need prayer for for that week. At the end of the semester, they finally get to talk to each other, and they bring their notebooks and compare them. What were you needing prayer for in this week? What did I pray for? Oh, look at that. God, you know, that's, wow. Now, sometimes, really, there's not much correlation, and uh, at least they both got prayed for a lot. But more often than you would expect, there is actually an amazing correlation between the needs of the one person and what the other person prayed for them, week after week after week. That's the Holy Spirit. 
Um, so, let's practice listening to the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to do. Um, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. And one of his jobs is to guide you into all truth. So I want you to take a moment and quiet your heart. Turn your heart towards God. Remember that you are God's own, that Jesus has indeed sent his spirit, who has made his home in you. The Holy Spirit has joined with your spirit. He, is, he lives in your body. He is here in your church. Welcome him. Now ask him what truth he wants to tell you and just listen for a moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for filling us with your spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome to us. We receive you. Amen. In the name of the Father, 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit.